Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, you got to love this time of year, don't you? Uh, well, good to see you. want to welcome those watching in our other campuses uh, as well. As we continue uh, this series, I Believe in God, But. It is a great series. Uh, I know uh, the campus pastors did a great job uh, this last week uh, as they shared. I heard there was uh, some awkward joke uh, that one of them made about cuddling. And uh, beyond that, I think it was pretty good. Uh, this has been a, a big week uh, at the church our, on our Redmond campus. Our lead kids pastor, uh, Tyler, and his wife, Kelsey, uh, they just had a baby, which we're really excited about. And he was uh, saying just how how big a baby it was and how excited, like, you know, top 10 percentile big. And I was thinking, you know, just wait like 30, 40 years from now. We don't say, hey, you know what? I'm like way bigger than 90% of the people there, you know? Uh, uh, we uh, The scorecard changes a little bit over time. Uh, we're looking this week in this series uh, at what, what it means to uh, have that desire to grow spiritually, but to experience maybe some setbacks or uh, maybe just that sense that we thought would be further along or that you're not getting traction uh, in your faith. Uh, when it comes to getting traction in our faith, we'll try so many things. We look for, uh, you know, the six seconds that'll change our life. But it's really about Jesus setting us in a certain direction in our life and us following and then seeing the results. Uh, it's sort of like you see on TV if you're, uh, you know, stay up late at night, the infomercials. Uh, hey, you know, lose 30 pounds and you can eat more ice cream and never exercise. And I'm like, that one is for me, you know. <laughs> but we know it really doesn't work out that way. At, at, as a matter of fact, when you think about us as Americans, we're, we're pretty religious. Uh, uh, when you think about uh, just the t-shirts, I came across some of these. Uh, I thought this, I, I love Jesus and naps, very spiritual. Uh, here's another one, uh, Jesus drank wine. You know, we always want to include Jesus and all that. And then, uh, you don't scare me, I was taught by nuns. Yeah, a lot of my uh, Catholic brethren uh, think of that one. And Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Uh, as we think about, uh, really, Jesus as part of our life, uh, we can have a lot of fun with that. But there can be this sense of what is it going to take for this year, this summer, this month, for there to be that uh, spiritual growth, that 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 I want in my life. And here's the good news, and this is our first fill-in if you're uh, filling in the blanks, is that Jesus gets the problem. Uh, he's not shocked. He's not disappointed in you. He's not ashamed of you. And in fact, Jesus, when he was with his closest followers, his disciples, 
uh, he, he described what it would mean to grow spiritually and some of the barriers that they would face along the way and that we would face along the way. In fact, one of the ways Jesus really liked to get a point across was by telling a story. And so what I want to do is I want to look at one of those stories. It's called a parable. A parable is a story that has a particular point in mind. And Jesus' point in this is how we can gain traction in our faith. Uh, It starts out like this in the Gospel of Matthew uh, 13. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed and was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And as you look at that, some of you are like, okay, thank you, Jesus, for the very encouraging teaching. Uh, You know, there's this idea of, well, what does it take to grow? And what Jesus is describing at first are all those things that can be barriers. You know, it's sort of like sometimes we want to hear something, but we don't really want to hear it. And Jesus is saying, if you can hear this, and really hear it, and really deal with some of those areas in your life that uh, can be faith killers, you can gain incredible traction in your faith. Maybe you're like me, and I I didn't grow up going to church, not uh, Easter, not Christmas, not ever. I grew up without any faith background, and so when I came to know Jesus, it was a whole new experience for me. And I was open, and I, uh, I was saying, God, I just, whatever you want to do. But I've seen over the years that as I've walked with the Lord, I'd like to say that, that I've become more and more open, that sometimes I think, okay, God, I've got this all figured out. And uh, I'll do these three things. But you know that one thing you're t- telling me about? Uh, I'm not so sure. Well, Jesus identifies in this parable uh, four really faith killers that can keep us from gaining traction in our faith. Uh, The first one is simply what you don't know. Uh, Faith is a lot about our heart, having our heart right with Jesus, but it's about our head as well. There's some things that you need to know. My daughter, she gave me permission to tell uh, this story. She's in a uh, sophomore level college class, uh, criminal justice, and in the class, uh, she said the professor, uh, they were talking about Supreme Court and how important it is to have you know, people on the Supreme Court who maybe believe a certain way or are doing something, and, and this was from that professor's perspective. And then uh, the professor said, hey, uh, just, just out of curiosity in the class, how many of you can name, because all the students are going, yeah, we need the right people on the court. And the professor says, how many of you can name one of the Supreme Court justices? No hands went up. And then the professor, then this professor is pretty wise, said, how many of you can name all the Kardashians? Every hand went up. And uh, what does that teach you? That kids today know the important things. That's what uh, that, that teaches you. The, the truth is there are some things that we need to know, and there's a reason behind it. Here's what it says, uh, Matthew 13, uh, 19. It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. The seed, uh, this is the seed sown along the path. See, Jesus, what he does, and, and uh, I want to explain this. I should, probably should have done this a moment ago, is, is he tells a story, and then later on he explains what he meant. He didn't want to leave uh, this a mystery. And it's important for us to say, hey, God, where do I need to know more? Where can I grow more? As I've said, if you've been around here any length of time, is that we do not worship the Bible. But we believe the Bible accurately represents God in His truth and how we get to know Him, that it's, it's divinely inspired and has authority for our life in every way. And so we want to know the Scriptures so we can get to know God uh, better. In fact, one of the things I want you to do right now is in your programs, uh, there's a connection card. And this is not like a multi-level marketing presentation. You're safe. Uh, but I want everyone to take out their connection card. Go ahead. I can wait. No, <laughs> the, uh, uh, we'll do that. And uh, here's what I, what I want you to do, because I know you probably wouldn't do it later. And it's not one of the things that uh, you can fill in. Uh, if you say, hey, Ben, you know, when it comes to the Bible, I tried it before, uh, and, you know, I started it in the book of Job, but I already had a job, and, you know, <laughs> or something like that. And you're like, I, this sort of, the Bible, reading the Bible can seem either boring or difficult for me. One of the things we're going to do this summer is we have a six-week uh, Bible class that will energize, if, you, if maybe you're a student of the Bible, maybe you say, hey, that's not been a regular part of my life. Uh, I want you to get a lot out of the Bible uh, because uh, that's important for your own spiritual growth. And then when you know the scripture uh, as well, you know, you cannot be uh, misled uh, because, you know, there uh, are people out there who will say, well, this is what the Bible really means. And you need to know for yourself, is this, is this true? Is this biblically accurate? Not everyone teaches with the precision that I do. The, <laughs> the, uh, the truth is, uh, we need to know God's heart. And why is this important? Because you think about it. Someone will say, well, you know, you, you really just can't know anything for certain. And then you look at the Scripture, and, and, and God tells us, his truth. And you know what it says? John 8. It's the truth that sets us free. Because someone will say, well, you know, you never know if you can uh, overcome addiction. And then I read in the scripture is that greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. Well, I don't know if I can really be forgiven. And then I hear the stories and read the stories of redemption and forgiveness. And you might think, well, what about my past? And then I read about people like Rahab in the Bible and, and people who had a pretty shady past, and I see how God not only redeemed them and forgave them, but used them for his purposes, and they're the heroes of the faith. So you start to believe things about you that only God can really correct with his truth. And yeah, there will be times where it might be things you're doing and you say, oh, I shouldn't be doing. And you know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But don't, don't listen to just what everyone else says. 
Listen to what God says about you. Some of us, honestly, you're dealing with a level of really depression on some sense. Because uh, your truth is, you know, people go, and I, I'm on every social media too, so I'm not like one of these people who thinks we should, you know, go back to stone tablets anytime soon. Uh, but, but people who spend a lot of time on social media tend to actually feel worse, not better about themselves. Because the comparison is to the image that everyone else is presenting instead of what God says. God says, when you were in the womb, I knew you. And that you're not an accident, that you're not a mistake. Don't give up. I've heard too many stories lately of people who've come to the point where they've taken their own life. And it's, I don't know every part of the despair that goes into that, but I know one thing that goes into that is the lie that there's no hope, that it can't get better, and that God wouldn't meet me in this moment. And I don't know what, even, even in the summer, there will be thousands of people who hear me on the different campuses this weekend, but this is not what I'm saying. This is really what God would hear you say. Don't ever believe that. And this is not just to make you feel better. It's because it's true. And so I'm encouraging you uh, to increase your knowledge. Because, uh, and, and by the way, I'll, I'll hear this too. People will, will misrepresent the scriptures. And as I've said, is they, people, well, I'm being intellectual. And honestly, it's a lack of intellectual curiosity. It's not being intellectual enough about your faith where you say, no, I can stand on this. Jesus uh, gives another reason for us to... Uh, well, really a barrier in our faith, and that could be adversity avalanches. That's what I'm calling them. Uh, how many of you sort of know what I mean, but I haven't even explained it yet? When there's a, a situation after situation where we're just facing a, a pain, and I talked about that. Or maybe it's where we're headed in the wrong direction, and it, or, or the, I got a real-life example this week. Well, really trying to get someone's attention. I live in Smamish Plateau, was going to Gold's Gym in Redmond, and thought, hey, you know, the weather's sort of nice, at least for Seattle it's sort of nice. And so I'll drive along East uh, Lake Sammamish Parkway. And it's a two-lane road, one lane going each way. Uh, it's divided in a couple places, but not, not many. And so I'm driving along, enjoying my drive, and then I see uh, another car, uh, and it's coming towards me, and it's in one of the areas where there actually was a divider. But the problem is, is that this car was in my lane, and I couldn't get over. And so what did I do? You have no idea what I did, okay? Uh, this is, <laughs> all right, this is remedial church. Okay, what did I do? Honked my horn. And then, so, so, so the question is, how do you honk your horn? You honk your horn different ways for different situations, right? Like there's someone at a stoplight and they're probably checking their email or something. And then you do the, you know, just a light little tap Time to go now. <laughs> Let's wake up. 
And uh, that's what I do. I try to be a little bit nice. I wait a few seconds. Uh, and then there's the other kind of, you know, you tap your horn. Like when you're going into Costco and it's busy and you've been waiting for a parking space and someone like goes around you into the parking space. And that's a little bit, that's more medium pressure. That's just a few more seconds on that horn. Just expressing the displeasure that God has in them. Uh, so now this situation, a car is coming towards you. And this guy is, well, or lady, I, I didn't see. I was so frightened. And uh, they, they're speeding along. And how do you think I press the horn? Full power for as long as it took for that person to get, they literally, they crossed over the barrier in the other lane in just a few more seconds to let them know I did not want to die today. <laughs> uh, and hey, I'm having a little fun here, but there are some challenges that you're going to face in your life that will be just living in a fallen world. There will be some due to your own sin. And I, by the way, I always think this is hilarious. People say, I don't believe in sin. Really? You look at our world, you look at your own life, you don't, that, that's just crazy. We all know where we failed. And there will be some times where God will allow some adversity in your life because it's like a horn. And he's getting your attention. And it could have been through someone else's bad decision or yours or just living in a broken world where there's disease and sin. And, and the question is, is how are you going to interpret that? Are you going to interpret that as, hey, uh, God hates me, you know, the person who is heading towards me about ready to go head on into me, or, hey, trying to save me from getting in a really bad wreck, trying to get me to go in a different direction. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that his Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's not like nothing to freak you out, like, okay, you're saying I've got this spirit living in me. It's the presence of God. The Bible says when we accept Jesus that he, he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he'll be with us every step of the way. And uh, that, that nudge can sometimes be through pain. C.S. Lewis wrote in the book, The Problem of Pain, he said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And, and so could it be that you're not getting traction in your faith because you're not heeding what God is trying to say to you? And, and, and God, God does love you, but he loves you enough to, to want you to live this life in a way that makes sense for, for you, for him. Another adversity avalanche is, is worry. Uh, and some of us are professional worriers. Uh, Jesus describes it this way as he's talking about the parable of the soils. He said that the seed falling uh, among the thorns uh, refers to someone who hears the word, uh, but the worries of this life, and then he goes on to say, uh, really drown out uh, what God would say. How many of us relate to that? 
that we're worried. We're worried about our future, our, our kids, our health, our jobs, our finances, a, a sense of purpose in our life, maybe uh, marriage. And, and worry can rob us of joy. And see, what will often happen is uh, we spend a lot of life focusing on managing problems instead of saying, God, what's your purpose for my life? What step forward do you want me to make? And we end up very busy and very empty at the same time. Sometimes we can be busy with a lot of things going on, but there's an emptiness whenever we stop. And that's because we've let what's going on in this world, which is important, God cares about it, distract us from God's ultimate purposes for our lives. And then Jesus describes what I call sort of the money monster. He, he says uh, in Matthew uh, 13, 22, and this is really important because there's so much bad theology and teaching uh, on this. In fact, you've, you've heard people uh, say before, uh, the love of money is the root of all, or, or money is the root of all evil. People will say it as that, which is uh, not true. The Bible doesn't say that. Uh, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the making money our God instead of a tool that God will, will use. In fact, uh, I was uh, just today and uh, I was at the gym. I know it doesn't look like I go to the gym that much, but I do. <laughs> I didn't say I work out when I'm there, but, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I was at the gym, and a, and a friend of mine was there at the gym, and this friend uh, had a really nice new car, like a nice new car, the kind that Jesus wants me to have someday. And the, <laughs> so, uh, and, and it's sort of funny, because real godly, godly person, and, uh, and said, I said, hey, th that's a great car. And they said, oh, yeah, I'm sort of embarrassed to drive it. I said, really? And, and this is someone who I know well, so I, don't worry, I'm not going to come at you and, and grill you probably the same way. I said, uh, but why are you embarrassed? You're, you're, you're generous, yeah? You, you tithe, Yeah. You give beyond the, yes. So, so you're being faithful with what God has given you, and you have enough over, left over for a really nice car. You know what I say? Yay, God. <laughs> but you know what? What they're letting is the person who is not faithful to God judge them and they're letting that be the voice that they're hearing. Just because maybe they don't, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, everyone who has a Rolls Royce is not like a Jesus lover, and everyone who has a, a Pinto is not a Satanist. <laughs> Although, I don't know who designed the Pinto. The, <laughs> but the, the truth is, there's a biblical perspective about money. And most people, most Christians, don't have it. Uh, so, so here's what Jesus said. Uh, he said, in the deceitfulness of wealth, go ahead and throw that up on the screen, uh, choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
So what does that mean? It, it means that, that we either are too fearful around money. The, the two biggest money monsters are fear and greed. And really, they're almost a, sort of the same thing, aren't they? It's both are saying one thing. God will not provide enough. God will not be my provider. And some of you are in financial difficulty right now. And I want you to look for the way that God is going to be your provider. Uh, I, I don't buy into the whole health and wealth gospel, but there is something when we apply spiritual principles that God can make the little go a little bit further. Uh, and so when God, when God talks about our finances and, and generosity, it's never a, a dollar number. It's always the sense of putting God first uh, in that. And if you're a visitor here and uh, you say, hey, man, uh, I go to another church, this, this applies wherever you go. It's just saying, God, I want my finances, I want to put you first. One of the things we've done before, and just to show you, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but uh, we use this as an example. If you say, hey, I want to gain some traction, is the generosity ladder. Uh, if you say, you know, hey, I, you know, when it comes to finances, uh, I use pretty much my money for me, and I've never really give to God's work, and then say, okay, try something for the first time. Just something. It's about priority, even amount. And then they're sort of in case, occasional. That's like, okay, whenever I come to church or the pastor makes me feel guilty, I give a little bit of money. And uh, they, But what the Bible talks about is being intentional is that I tell, and this is good, by the way, for saving too, is I tell my money where to go. Some of you are used to telling people where to go, and now you tell your money where to go. You say, I set aside, the Bible says the first, uh, when I get paid, the first of every month is maybe for some of us, I don't know when you get paid. And then there's tithing, and tithing is really the, uh, really the biblical standard where we'd give our first 10% to the Lord. And uh, I know there'll be some of you who'll say, man, I'm doing that and more. And others of you say, oh, I'm offended. That's great. Don't ever give. I don't, don't, you don't ever have to give. No pressure whatsoever. Uh, that's okay. I'll put in an extra couple bucks, pay for your donuts. We're all good, man. The, uh, uh, I'm just teaching you what the Scripture says. So this isn't, don't feel any pressure. But I'm telling you, for, and, and by the way, for you, if you're a long-term Christian, this will be a barrier in your faith if you don't put God first in your finances and your sex life. You're saying, well, oh, I'm glad he's not going to talk about sex. A couple months we're doing a series where we're going to talk about that too, so it's going to get uncomfortable all over again in another way. So, uh, uh, and then, then there's uh, abundant, where you say, God, that I understand the tithe is where I start, but then I give, like my wife and I, you know, to missions organizations, all that kind of stuff. Uh, as well. Here's how I, I teach my kids. And so uh, we, we do the 10 10 80. And so uh, this is a great way to live with your finances that uh, we give our first 10% of the Lord, whatever that is. Sometimes that's more money, sometimes it's less money. It just depends on what God gives us. We give in response to God, we don't give to get God's favor. And then 10% uh, to savings, we, we want to do that. Uh, there's been times where that's been more, more of a challenge. And then remember my friend who felt guilty about the car? You know what you get to do with this money? Whatever you want. And uh, this is a way to live stress-free and guilt-free. Now, for some of you, you have a lot of debt, 
and you might want to add another 10% to start paying off that debt uh, as well. The, the math will never, well, I shouldn't say that, because uh, God has blessed a lot of you, you do pretty well. The math may not add up. It's just a principle of faithfulness when it comes to it. So here, I, I don't want to talk about too much more about this, but I, I think it's one of those things where it's hard for us to get a grasp. And so I want you uh, to just hear a story of, of a couple, JP and Elizabeth, a young couple, and sort of how they manage this as they were just getting married and trying to uh, figure out this piece of their spiritual life. I'm JP, and this is my wife, Elizabeth. And we've been coming to Timberlake for three to four years now. Later half of high school and throughout college, um, I held anywhere from one, two, three jobs, uh, as well as attending college. And I just felt a lot of financial pressure, and I was always I guess, scared, per se, um, just because it was everything was so tight. The first time I started giving, nobody really explained it. They're like, oh, you should tithe, but they didn't follow it up with a why I'm tithing. Her parents have been recommending that we attend a financial class. Uh, they recommended Financial Peace University, and uh, we saw that Timberlake was offering it, so we signed up for that. Um, so Financial Peace University is a Christian-based uh, financial guideline to go by. I felt very comfortable in the class, um, knowing that a lot of the people in the class were going through the same thing we were. It was, it was good to kind of set that foundation, not only in our faith, but in our finances for um, when we got married. And so when I started my career, I ensured that I started tithing on a regular basis. We wanted to get back in that because we know that it's not really our money, it's God's money, and we should be giving back to Him, not just keeping it for ourselves. And I give because looking back on my life and seeing how much God has um, helped me through um, and given me a lot of what I have today, I want to start honoring Him and saying, yes, I do, I do trust you, and I recognize how much you've blessed me, and I want to bless the people around me. I like seeing the impact that Timberlake brings upon people, not only people, but the community, and um, I just believe that we should trust God in that part of our life and just continue forward. I want to make sure that I'm honoring God and giving back to Him what belongs to Him, as well as giving back and helping the community. Um, so that I can be blessing as much as I've been blessed. And hearing their story is so you just get the heart behind it. And really with all of these things, it comes to this. The choice uh, is really to, to make decisions today for a life-giving faith. Jesus puts it this way. Uh, as he's describing that. He said, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 uh, or 30 times what was sown. And so what Jesus is saying, if we can really take care of some of these issues that would be barriers in faith growth, we will see exponential growth in our faith in the traction that we want. So here, as I was thinking about this, what's a summer assignment for you, for me too? Uh, the first one is this, just a doable Bible reading plan. If you have 
uh, not downloaded our app yet. Uh, we're gonna, we have the, uh, a Bible portion of it there, and we're going to have a reading plan. Or you can do the Bible app. Encourage you, maybe if you just do this, start with the Gospel of Luke, and then go to Acts, read, uh, I always say a chapter a day keeps a pastor away. And uh, if you do that, you can get through it uh, during the summer. And then so you get to know is, hey, you know, is, is all this making sense? Has been, you know, keeping to this Bible or is he making it up on his own? Uh, and you'll get traction in your faith. Uh, another thing is from one of the greatest theological masterpieces ever, uh, how many of you ever remember the movie, What About Bob? Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, for some of us, we need to take a vacation from our problems. Uh, you remember that? Uh, it's great. Richard Dreyfuss is a psychologist, and Bill Murray is this uh, guy, Bob, who's sort of messed up. And, and there's a point in the movie where he's saying, Bob, don't focus on your problems. Take a vacation from your problems. And, and in a very serious way, it's focusing more on what God's calling us to than even what God is calling us from. God may be calling you from a place of difficulty, a, a marriage that might continue to be difficult, frankly, a job situation that could still be a little precarious, uh, in-laws that are, well, still in-laws. <laughs> when we focus on what God's calling us towards, then we have great spiritual growth. And then uh, it's just a tangible next step. And we've talked about these, uh, primarily when it comes to uh, maybe putting God first in your finances. Maybe that's uh, uh, tithing or moving towards that, that you'd say, I'm going to be intentional. Or uh, a Bible reading plan. I think really, if you're not doing either, both of those are great places uh, to start. And it really comes to this, is a yes first approach to God. And this is something that I haven't uh, talked about for a while. But we, we've said around here uh, again and again is that we want to be a people who would say yes to God even before we know what God is going to ask us to do. That if you want to grow spiritually, you just say, God, I trust you so much that you have my yes because I believe you are God, I believe you are good, and I believe your promises are true. When God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a hope in a future, you say, that's, that's what I want to bank my life on. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.